Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And what is a bow other than a symbol of a pact? a treaty, a promise. So could it be that Antichrist is carrying a bow? He's carrying a promise in his hand. And what is that promise to the Jews? You can build your temple, and this man is going to be so swift. He's going to be so suave. He's going to be so well-spoken. This guy is going to be slick like a snake. He is going to be able to speak, and people are going to be like, I've never heard such a thing. Welcome, everyone, to today's edition of Truth in Christ Radio. Today, we reach an interpretive crossroads of the book of Revelation. You can tell much about how a person understands this book and God's prophetic plan by seeing how they understand the first rider of the four horses. Those who think Revelation is mostly a book of history believe that this rider is Jesus, an apostle, or a Roman emperor. Those who believe that this is a prophetic message yet to be fulfilled often account this writer to be the Antichrist. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues our study in the book of Revelation. This this demonic man filled with Satan more than once. In John 14, verse 30, he said it. John 16, verse 11, he said the same thing. The same title, the ruler of this world. And if you recall, even in Matthew's gospel, when Jesus was being tempted after his baptism with John, remember one of the things that Satan told Jesus. And it says in Matthew 4, verse 8, Again, the devil took him up to an exceeding high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said to Jesus, All these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. And you notice Jesus didn't and rebuke him and say, uh, have you read Psalm 24, buddy? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Oh, believe me, Satan knows that truth. But for now, he's the ruler of this age. And he has the whole world under his sway. Why is it a battle to be a Christian? Why is it a battle even now as a Christian to, to live the life of, that Christ has given you? Even with the Spirit of God in you, do you ever feel like a, a, a little minnow swimming up upstream when the current is racing toward you? And as you go, this little minnow, and you're making every little fin push a little, you're going upstream, and, and all around you, coming at you, are great white sharks, 18 feet long, and they're hungry, and there's hordes of them coming your direction. Do you feel like that way as a Christian? I do. That's the reality. You live on enemy territory until the Lord returns. Notice it says the Lamb, Jesus Christ. 
You know, as we get into this book of Revelation, as the seals are open, I'll turn your attention to the screen here because it it speaks of seven seals. And it's interesting that this seven seal document really within this document contains all of the wrath of God in one thing. In fact, as we get to the seventh seal, um, you'll notice that it when, when that seventh seal is open, it really opens up seven trumpets. And then at the end of the seven trumpets, it opens up bowls of wrath. And these are just things that uh, God has placed here to show us his narrative and the sequence of things as, they, as things go along in the great tribulation period. Does that make sense? At the seventh of every one opens up another one and it unfolds and becomes another seven. Does that make sense? And so that's what we're going to see through the, through the book of Revelation. And we're starting right here in chapter 6 with that very thing. Notice verse 2, And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. And although he is riding on a white horse, don't let that confuse you, because many think that this may, have been, this, may, this may be Jesus Christ coming back on a white horse, because we know in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, that he comes back on a white horse. He does. But as we look at this, we're going to see some incongruous ideas about this because look what it says. Or let me just share with you. First of all, Jesus comes back on a white horse at the end of the tribulation, not at the beginning. Does that make sense? We're at the beginning now. He comes back on a white horse at the end. And the context of these three other horsemen is evil, not a context that the king of kings should be in. The very context is they are conquering, they are destroying. And Jesus, the Lamb, he's opening the seal. Why would he be opening the seal to something that he's going to be doing? He doesn't. This is none other, this first rider on a white horse is none other than the beast from the sea that is spoken of in Revelation 13, and we'll be getting to that. And one of the things that we can look at is just comparing these two, uh, these, these two riders. One carries, we'll see... Um, here in Revelation, that he has a bow. He had a bow and he had a crown on his head. Went out conquering and the conqueror. So this rider in, in Revelation 6 carries a bow. Some believe that it's actually like a bow, like a bow and arrow. I'm not really convinced that that's what it is, but it could be. And we know that Jesus, in Revelation 19, he, ha- he wields a sword as well at the end of the Great Tribulation, at the beginning when he comes back to the earth in the second coming. We know that the writer here in Revelation 6, he wears a crown, but this is a different kind of crown. It's the, the, the Greek word is Stephanos. It's a, it's a kind of crown, like a laurel wreath, a laurel crown that you would get when you win an award in the, in the games, like the Roman games. That's really what it's speaking of. But when you look at what it says in Revelation 19, that Jesus is wearing many crowns. And those crowns aren't these little laurel wreaths. They are what they call diadems. And they are literally crowns for kings. And he's wearing many of them. Very different. Very different. And the rider on the horse is initiating war. But what does Jesus do when he comes back? He destroys his enemies and he brings an end to war. Very big difference between this rider and Revelation 6, and the one coming back in Revelation 19, which you will be riding behind him on white horses as well. I love that. (laughs) I wonder if I can name mine. Trigger. I'm going to name my horse, and I'm going to have those, just, just because. Laura, would you allow me to have on the each side, like Clint Eastwood, you know, the 44 mags on each side? Even, even if I don't use them, it's just a look thing. It's just a feel good thing. 
Even though, you know, you're not doing any of the fighting, I just want to look cool when I come back, you know. But notice also, this first writer, he commences the tribulation, and obviously when Jesus comes back, it is the climax of the tribulation, and it ends it. And this bow, in the original language, it literally means a a bow, uh, apparently uh, as as the simplest fabric. So this could be a bow, like, remember when you were in... uh, 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 maybe Cub Scouts or Girl Scouts, and you won an award, you got this little ribbon, you know, a bow of some kind, you know, a bow, and it's blue, and it had the little, you know, first prize or whatever. It could be something like that, because that's what the Greek says. You know, it's some kind of fabric bow that he's got, and that just speaks of him not, this first horse, not coming back as some kind of warrior in a sense. He does it in a different way, through diplomacy. He's not the one wielding the sword and, and forcing He's conquering and he's conquering, but there's no bow. There's no, there, there's no arrows, if that's indeed what it is. He, he's, he's, he comes peace. He comes for peace. He comes for peace. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3, when Paul was talking to them about this period of time in the tribulation, he said, For when they say, when the world says peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, they shall not escape. They shall not escape. And so this, this, this being on this white horse is none other than the Antichrist. And maybe it's a bow, like a rainbow. Could it be? You know, when we think of Genesis chapter 9, when God gave to humanity the rainbow in the sky as what? A promise that he wouldn't flood the earth again with a global flood. There's certainly been many local floods, but a global flood won't happen again. I can tell you that for sure. It's not going to happen. And I'm not even a scientist. It will never happen again. Because God promised. And what is a bow other than a symbol of a pact, a treaty, a promise? So could it be that Antichrist is carrying a bow? He's carrying a promise in his hand. And what is that promise to the Jews? You can build your temple. And this man is going to be so swift. He's going to be so suave. He's going to be so well-spoken. This guy is going to be slick like a snake. He is going to be able to speak, and people are going to be like, I've never heard such a thing. He's going to have charisma. He is going to be handsome. I'm convinced of it. This caricature that you have of the, of the Antichrist or the devil with a red suit and a pointy tail and a pitchfork, you've got to get rid of that. You know, you get that from that deviled ham. You know, the Underwood thing or whatever that is, the deviled ham that you spread on toast? Men do that, women don't. You see that little picture of him on the, on the front there? That's not, that's not him at all. He comes as an angel of light. He comes as someone who's got all the answers. And boy, he's going to sound sweet. He's going to sound convincing. He's going to be so convincing. If it weren't for the Spirit of God, every one of us in this room would cave into his deception. If it weren't for the Spirit of God. And guess what? You're not going to be here anyway, so you don't have to worry about it. Amen? Amen. Everybody put a thumbs up. Yes. You're not going to see it. So this bow, could it be a rainbow? Because we know what it says in Daniel, right? 
A bow is a promise. It's a covenant. It's a treaty that God made with the inhabitants of the earth. And what did Daniel say in 927? He shall confirm this Antichrist, this rider on the white horse in Revelation 6. He is going to confirm in the beginning of this three and a half year period that we're reading about. He is going to confirm a covenant with many for a week. In other words, a week of years, seven years. But in the middle of the week, in the middle of that seven year period, he is going to bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. We know that he is going to, based on other passages, he's going to place an image of himself. In fact, I said this last time, but when we were in Israel many years ago, I remember uh, we went to the Temple Institute. We didn't go this last March, but uh, previous years we had. And uh, they, they have a collection for the new temple that, they're, that the Jews are ready to build this new temple. They got the... Uh, the cornerstone already set, and they've tried to wheel that thing up on a cart a couple of different times, and it nearly erupted in a war. They've tried to do it. They were forbidden to do it, but they're ready. They've got all the instruments, all the utensils, the snuffers, the, the, the garments, everything. They've got it all ready. It's ready to go as we speak. They're ready. And when this Antichrist allows them, they're going to have everything ready. Just open the doors and move the materials into the building. And I remember one of us was putting in into this big thing, you know, money in support of this temple because we're Christians. And we're like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. We like the temple. We like that idea. And I remember Pastor Bill or Pastor Scott or Pastor Jeff, I forget which one of them said, do you realize that you're contributing to the Antichrist temple? So then like New York Christians, we smashed the glass and grabbed our money and ran. No, just kidding. So that's what's happening. It's coming. And notice this crown this was not a. This was a laurel crown. This was a Stephanos. This is a uh, something that was given. Notice it was given to him. A crown was given to him. He didn't. He didn't demand it. It was given to him. Only God can give these things. And yet, the crown that Jesus comes back as a diadem. It says in Revelation 19, his eyes, Jesus, when he comes to the earth, his eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, many diadems, very different kind of crown. And he had a name written that no one knew except himself. No one knew. And remember that Satan is a counterfeiter. He doesn't come up with anything new. He mimics what he sees. He knows the Bible better than you and I do. And he knows what's coming. He knows what's coming, and what greater way to deceive than to be in the place of. Everybody thinks he's going to be opposed to. It can mean that. Antichrist can mean opposed to or in place of. And when he comes back on a white horse, there's going to be enough people that know just enough to think this must be Christ because it's a white horse. He's coming, and we're going to exalt him. And by the way, he's pretty handsome. And by the way, he's got all the answers. By the way, he can do some really amazing signs and wonders. And he died, and he was resurrected, it tells us in Revelation 13, which we're going to get to. That sounds like Jesus. All hail, all hail, and they'll bow to this image. But you and I will not be here to witness that. He will be a smooth operator, a smooth talker. When he comes onto the scene, everyone will fawn and be amazed at him. And he is forming the minds of people right now, and the media is his puppet. Anybody recognize that? He is forming minds. Have you been around in the last 10 years, 20 years? Is it getting worse? I think it is. 
It's getting worse. It's getting worse. It's getting more deceptive. And the media, and I'm not, I'm not ashamed, and you may disagree with me, and that's okay, because you're wrong. But the media, the media is in the hands of Satan. They don't, they don't even know it. And they would, re, they would say, no, that's not true. They can say what they want. But they are feeding right out of his hand, and they don't even know it. I doubt that they really would even admit to it. They're just following their own heart. And their own heart, apart from God, is governed by who? Satan. And such were some of us. But he is forming the minds. He's doing it right now. Have you seen the progression? Have you been alive? Have you, your eyes have been opened? He is using it. And he's doing a great job in this, because it's working. The authorities, police and law enforcement, and the authority of God's word, which is the truth, is being attacked like never, ever before. The Satan is a, a, a consummate counterfeiter. He will come back on a white horse. He will sound like a lamb, but he's a dragon. He is going to have the appearance of light. And people will be bamboozled by him. But what did Jesus say concerning him? John 8.44, Jesus speaking to the unbelieving Jews, he says, You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. And when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and a father of it. But the media today is so truthful in everything they say. They always tell the truth. There's no agenda. I mean, you got to be kidding if they're. I mean, no. There's no agenda behind what they're doing. There's no slant. Come on. But it says in verse two that this this being, this antichrist, who comes to conquer and is conquering, he will do it through diplomacy. There won't be any need for a battle yet. Smooth operator. The physical nature of this onslaught will come with the second rider, which we're going to look at now. Verse 3, when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted. Notice, it was granted to him. He didn't demand it. He didn't get of, of his own resources. It was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword, fiery red. What does it speak of? Red always is a symbol of power and of bloodshed and that's what it is notice that this writer is given permission by god to do this he was granted he was given a sword he was given concerning satan he has to get permission from god to destroy or to do anything he is not a free agent he can't just do as he pleases he is not omnipresent he is not omniscient he is not omnipotent he is a dog on a leash and God only allows him. And these, this writer, this second writer, is given certain things, granted by God. Does that surprise you? Does that, does that worry you? We see it in Scripture. Look at uh, in Revelation chapter 20. Verse 1 and 2, it says, The angel of the Lord came down from heaven, having the, an angel. It doesn't even tell what angel it is. This angel in, in Revelation 20 comes down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of that dragon, that old serpent, who was called the devil and Satan, and he bound him for a thousand years. During the beginning of, at the end of the tribulation period, in the beginning of the millennial reign, this being, this Satan that has been the problem for centuries from the 
beginning from Eden is going to be chained up and thrown into the abuso, and he can't do a thing for a thousand years. He's going to sit down there and think about what he done, what he's done. God's going to put a dunce hat on him and turn him into the corner. But God gives permission. What does it say in Job? There was a day, Job chapter 1, verse 6, there was a day when the sons of God, these, an- these angels, came to present themselves before the Lord. And notice, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? Notice that Satan is in heaven, approaching the throne of God. And that's where he is right now. That's a kind of a funny thought, isn't it? He has access to heaven. He's still in the heavenly realm. He still has access to God, but that day's coming when God is going to thrust him out, and he will no longer have that access to heaven like he does now. And as we see in Job, Satan also came from among them, and the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? And Satan answered and said to the Lord, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in all the earth, a blameless and an upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. And Satan answered and said to the Lord, Does Job Job fear God for nothing? You have made a hedge around him, around his household, around all that he has on every side. You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in in the land. But now, stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord gives him permission. The Lord said, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. And so Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. He did exactly that. God gave him permission to go a certain distance and no further. There are some people today that think that Satan is just, he can do what he wants. No, everything that he does, he can only do by allowance. And that's really scary too, isn't it? Because sometimes you see some things and you think, Lord, why would you allow this? Why would you allow this? Why? I don't understand. And it's because of our limited understanding. It's hard. That's why we have to believe by faith. And it's not a blind faith. The faith that we have with Jesus is very clear. It's very substantiated. But it's something that nobody can... Nobody should be able to rest out of your hands. It's a, it's a faith that, that nobody can see, except they can see it in your life as you walk, right? Because isn't that what happens when we, when we put feet on the things that we read, the things that we know? That becomes a witness, doesn't it? People can see that there's something different about you. And hopefully they do. Hopefully they see something different about all of us. If Christ is in me, there ought to be a difference. Is there a difference in you? Do your co-workers, do your family, do they see somebody different standing before them than before you got saved? I hope so. If not, you need to go back to the prayer closet and say, Lord, what happened to me? What happened to my faith? Have I been so comfortable with the world that it's been slowly dripping like water on sandstone? and Has it eroded my faith? Lord, bring me back. Is that where you're at? I pray that everyone's faith is strong and abiding and and getting better. We see the same thing in Job chapter 2. It says, again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves again. And the Lord said to Satan, where are you coming from? Satan says, ah, going to and from the earth, walking up and down. And he says, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him. He's a blameless and an upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. And still he holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. And Satan answered him and said, skin for skin, yes. All that a man has, he will give for his own life. But 
Stretch out your hand on him now and touch his bone and his flesh and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord says, try it. The Lord has an unfair advantage, doesn't he? He knows Job. Job doesn't even know himself. Satan doesn't know what God knows. God, is, God knows all things and he knows something. I mean, he, he's thinking to himself, you know what? He could have told Satan this. But inside the counsels of God, he's saying, I know my servant Job. He's going to go through a, he's going to be right on the edge of his losing his mind. But when I, I'm going to be with him and I'm going to get him through it. And at the end, he's going to have twice as much as he ever had before. His faith is going to be grounded. In- I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.